lots and lots of spoilers. What is terrifying? Haunted houses are terrifying. What else is terrifying? Water is freaking terrifying. It's full of fish and everything. Since the dawn of time, human beings have feared water, avoiding it at all costs, um, drinking literally anything else just um, to avoid that hell liquid. It's true. I checked Wikipedia. Um, Shut up. So... <laughs> When you've got a movie like the one we have for this week's streaming now in a room near you that puts a haunted house in water, you know you're in for some testicle retracting horror. That, unless you're a lady. Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> yes, this week we're going on about The Deep House, a movie that only showed in theaters in Rebulac, a small town in France, literally, <laughs> and is now streaming here. No doubt you all know this movie from the media blitz that accompanied its release. <laughs> and the fact that we no. mentioned it once. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, us neither. No, here we here at Max Mike Movies, and I've mentioned this before, we're actually contacted by a PR firm who wanted us to plug this movie on the show in exchange for, I'm not sure, a Canadian quarter and a tube of circus peanuts, but no, <laughs> we have our integrity. <laughs> we have our principles. We have absolutely no business sense whatsoever, so we're going to talk about this movie for free. That'll show the man. Now I'm not sure what it will act, what it will actually show the man, but it will really show that thing. <laughs> I'm your perpetually waterlogged host, Max Levine, and over there in his house in Rilia, dead Mike Luce lies dreaming. Um, Yog Zafoth, anyone? <laughs> but first, we have. Our poll question. Poll question. Last week, we asked you this. Has Hollywood finally erased the stigma of TV? Meaning, is there still a perceived lesser quality to productions on TV? Or do movies still reign supreme? Do we look down on TV, expect less from it? That sort of thing. I thought it meant, did TV still have holes in its hands? <laughs> That's though. That's the stigmata of television, and oh. of course, that's still happening. My TV bleeds every night. Thank you. Never mind. Yep. Our boy Dave, Dave. writes. We're in a golden age. Uh. What? <laughs> I mean, it's always been a matter of budget, time, and production values. And when I say production value, never mind. Um, <laughs> Am I crying? The, co <laughs> the cost of quality production has gone down, and the streaming companies have had money to burn along with a desperate need for brand recognition and market share. Hmm. The quality of TV is so high right now, and even though I much prefer to go out to the theater, COVID shut that down. So, hmm. yeah, I think there's no stigma. Interesting. Huh. Spoken like Matt a Reisman lawyer. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Reisman writes... I don't expect to have t TV to have as many locations and wide shots showing them off. Effects can also be of a more varying quality while still being acceptable. In terms of acting and directing, I expect the same level of quality from prestige TV as I do film. Hmm. Hmm. Seems reasonable, especially since these days, it's a lot of the same actors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and a lot of the same budget. Yeah. Uh, Gen Geneva Brunetti writes expansively, I think Hollywood's has spent the last 10 to 20 years trying to adjust the media to media convergence and are finding solutions in streaming services. 
The biggest aspect that drove the stigma in the early 2000s, and hell, even before, with the birth of places like Blockbuster, was the Nielsen counter, <laughs> and, and its discrepancies with actual viewers and views. Personally, I believe the birth of all these streaming services, while inconvenient to the customer, have helped immensely in bridging the gap. Networks are able to gather more accurate and more direct data and money about viewership, which leads to more data and money being presented to heads. That's that's an odd image. Why would you present this just severed heads? Talking which leads, heads. Oh, oh yeah, well, <laughs> that just stops making sense. Oh, well. And Which leads to more money and data being invested into television. Short answer, too late. Uh, yes. <laughs> I think Hollywood has definitely had a change of heart toward television and its potential and execution. Okay, thank you, Jimmy. Yeah. That was that was very well reasoned. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Nick Hoffman says, I would say there's no stigma at this point, but there's still a dividing line. Wait, what? <laughs> and that's centered on the experience itself. A wide variety of films can be seen on TV or in a home entertainment environment with no real loss in the experience when compared to the theater environment. However, there remains a class of films that must be seen in a theater to be fully experienced. Large canvas movies, big pictures. Movies like Lawrence of Arabia, Interstellar, Star Wars. I don't know about that middle one. Uh, that's op- <laughs> the opening scene for in the original, for example. You get the idea? Yes, Nick, we get the idea. No, that's a good point. There are certain types that are clearly made for large screens. Yeah, and we're actually tackling that in a way in this series. But uh, thank you for the answer. Uh, Professor Dr. Rebecca, Rebecca Pelkey mm. sa- says, I think we, we're seeing the emergence of new genres of TV that play more like movies and therefore have higher expectations attached. Game of Thrones, The Handmaid's Tale, which also has spectacular cinematography. They're a different thing than the sitcoms or procedural dramas of network TV. That is true. Ted Lasso mm. is great and critically acclaimed, but I wouldn't expect movie-level production values from it necessarily. I think it all comes down to the variety of TV and film that's available. Can a film be perceived as great without great production? Can a TV show? I think the qualities we judge different forms and genres on still varies too much to say definitively. I think she's basically saying no. (laughs) But thanks. Adam Mark writes, I think that the proliferation of really good multi-season story arc TV shows, Sopranos, Mad Men, Game of Thrones, etc., and A-list stars appearing on both TV and movies has erased the stigma of TV. Perhaps the perception of this stigma is fully antiquated. If anything, the quality of film has significantly deteriorated in recent years. Comic book everything, sequels upon sequels upon sequels that crowd out new or novel talent, scripts, directors, etc. Well, TV has excelled. Well, I won't say we haven't discussed this in the past, because we yeah. have. And I won't say he's entirely wrong, because I don't think he is. <laughs> Valerie, oh God, I really am related to Mike, it's not a nightmare, Coons, responded, erased? I don't think it'll ever be completely erased, because the major networks don't have the budgets of Netflix, HBO, and the like. Case in point, a show called La Brea. It seemed like it was going to be big budget, but it had some of the worst CGI critters since the 90s. It couldn't possibly compete against something like Game of Thrones. If we were just talking cable, then I would say yes, but the networks will never be as good. Oh, gotta love me. Okay. Interesting. Uh, That's a a different perspective. Well, here's a question for you, Max. Um, Mm. When was the last time you watched a network TV show? And I actually think I know the answer, but... Uh, let's see, I watched The Good Place. That's that was the an answer. Too, but uh, there was another one after... Oh, uh, What We Do in the Shed. Well, no, that's cable, excuse me. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, excuse No, I watch a network show almost every week. It's one of my great guilty pleasures, Saturday Night Live. <laughs> and I think we can all admit that the production values of Saturday Night uh, Live have never been higher. Yeah, probably true. <laughs> Uh, Richard Tatum says, I'd actually go as far to say that TIFF TV is a prestige item these days, but it's also seen as the dumping ground for film that they can't otherwise sell. <gasps> but I Don't say. Yeah. But films, I think, will always be king. Hmm. And Vin- Vince of the North, also known as the Snowman. The Snowman. The Snowman, you betcha. Yeah. Writes, I don't know why we're doing that. He's not in any way Scandinavian. I think no, the stigma <laughs> has reversed in recent years. Quality TV is considered serious art and handling much deeper subjects. While giant budgets, budget movies are more superhero and escapist with even higher budgets, but not as serious. Actors, directors, etc. can do both now and not have either work against them career-wise. I think in the public mind, movies in the cinema are still real movies, but in practice, the distinction is blurred now. Hmm. Oh. I agree, and I think that's one of the reasons I uh, we posed the question in the first place is uh, that it used to be, let's face it, if it was a made-for-TV movie, that obviously meant it was going to be low-budget, it was not generally going to be very good, and when you started seeing movie actors appear in TV, it usually meant that their movie career was over. Yeah, that was like... Well, they yeah, doing guest shots on the love boat and so forth. Yeah, or Fantasy Island, or if you're really lucky, both in the same week. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, I think yeah. that's a yeah, I think that's a point. I do think the distinction is blurring. I do not think it's gone. No, and at least, and again, it's in different quarters. In a lot of just the viewing public, like us, I think it may be. Yeah, but if you look at things like the like the Academy Awards. You still see a real bias. People who started in TV, you know, there's a reason Rob Reiner and Ron Howard don't get nominated or don't win Oscars. I say uh, both of them have been nominated. They Rob Reiner not so much, they, but he hasn't done anything lately. They don't win. No, they don't. But I don't know if that's necessarily. I don't know if it is. They I, never that could be based on snobbery. Would not surprise me at Penny all. Marshall didn't even get nominated. Uh, even though her pick, her movie, uh, A League of Their Own, got nominated, she didn't get nominated. She also didn't she do Big too? No, no, that was somebody else. I she did another. Actually, like, I, she did she's another done, big yeah. film like that. That was like, wow, this is really fun. This it is, is a lot harder. Okay. It's a lot harder for TV actors to get respect from the Academy. But of course, the Academy itself is losing a hell of a lot of credibility, and it may just—I I don't know personally—but I think the Academy is probably fading into irrelevancy. Well, all I can say is thank the gods they got rid of all of those nasty uh, uh, things that they used to have in the Oscars that nobody cares about and wants to see, like, best score. Oh, um, yeah. Nobody, uh, nobody best animated about, short. Yeah, animated short. short. Yeah. Yeah. Phew. Fight me, Disney. But they do have, what yep. is it, Twitter award for most Yeah, popular? most okay. Twitter-pated movie. I forget. Something yeah. like that. I mean, let's all go back to high school, shall we? Um, I'm going to say the same thing in general. I think that a lot of the lines have been blurred, but I think part of the way that they've been blurred is that the idea of TV has been blurred. Yeah. Like TV used to be, you had a TV guide, you had a certain number of channels, and there was a show that would run every week on the same time in the same place. Well, n- almost nobody does that anymore. With a very few exception, they sort of dump the whole season at you at once. That's on the streaming services. It's not true on network. Or no. cable. And the part about that is that 
although I don't like to watch TV like that, I don't like to binge myself, it seems like most of the viewing public, the younger viewing public, does. I still do. I like it sometimes. I'll um, watch a whole bunch of episodes in a row. Sure. And I think that network TV, by clinging to some of those old, I don't know, staid habits, is in a way cutting itself off because that's not how people work. But of course, then there's the whole deal with advertising. One of the nice things I like about streaming services is I don't have to see ads. I honestly cannot remember the last network ad I've seen. Um, So that having it on a streaming service, which originally were streaming services of movies. Yeah. Netflix was a movie station. That's where you go to watch movies online instead of having to rent them. HBO was the same thing. It was movies. It wasn't TV shows. And eventually they had to adapt because uh, some of these networks or these these um, parent companies started their own streaming services and took all the TV shows away. So <laughs> uh, I think that's part of the reason. But I, I agree with a lot, a lot of our viewers viewers listeners <laughs> if you could see us now uh, what our listeners said which is that the budgets the talent it's there's been a lot of shifting and of course there's the pandemic because that changed how we all watched movies but uh, cool yeah and thank you so much that was uh, that was some really cool answers you know yeah I, right there with you on a bunch of points we had some uh, interesting perspectives yeah but uh, do we have a new poll question and, it, and it's it's over there floating, staring at me with its dead eyes open. Blub, blub. <laughs> what is your favorite movie about religion or that has a religious theme or setting? Wow. Okay. You know, anything from like uh, The Passion of the Christ to Going My Way with Bing Crosby. You know, we're not talking about or The Greatest Story Ever Told or... The Ten Commandments. Isn't the only reason that Going My Way could be considered a religious film is that Bing Crosby pretends to be a priest? (laughs) Yes, he does. Boo, 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 boo. (laughs) Hail Mary, full of grace, you groovy chick. Okay. Well, people will tell us. And how will they tell them? We can't tell You can't reveal that, lest we release the ancient evil that lies beneath. Um, I have to release a kraken. (laughs) (laughs) You should have done that before the show. Now you're just going to have to hold that kraken in. (laughs) I'll edit it out. Keep the Kraken sealed. Um, <laughs> before any, this gets any worse, let's get to trivia. The show. Okay, so the budget for this film, 5 million euros, which is approximately 730,000 kabukis. How much are kabukis worth? Uh, nothing. Kabukis are pancakes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's about $5.5 million. That much, the box huh? o- The box office in France... $1.9 million. Ah. I don't think we're going to be seeing uh, The Deep House 2, but who knows? I mean, honestly, that's remarkably tight. Um, we'll get yeah, into this. Five, it, five it, million it bucks, really especially given cheap. what they did. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't. Yeah, nope. This movie was not exactly blessed with a superabundance of trivia. Ah. So I had to do a little extra research. Made some up, uh, huh? <laughs> Now, the... This uh, movie was made by the directing and writing team of Alexandre Bustillo and Julien Marie, ah. who I'm sure you know from absolutely nothing in this country. Ah. Yeah. Uh, Bloomhouse Productions and the channel Epics acquired the film for North American distribution. Epics, you know. Epics, yep. 
I think isn't that one of those channels where if you have Hulu, you actually have this and don't know it. Actually, it's if you buy a TV, you have Epics, even if you don't have cable. <laughs> ah, so I had it and didn't know it. Okay. Yep, it actually comes on your phone if you look carefully. Uh, <laughs> this it, the movie takes place mostly in southern France. It was actually filmed mostly in southern France, except for the house house sequence, which were filmed in a studio in Belgium. Ah, so it was filmed in the deep south of yes get the the deep deep. get it because water under (laughs) you can clear out your desk now oh i don't have Uh, a desk (laughs) the submerged house in which ben and tina get trapped was built on a large grid they actually built the set they built a house that could be partially submerged into the water for filming scenes in specific parts of the house. It, filming took place in a tank about deep, about uh, six meters deep. Mm-hmm. That's about 20 feet in American. Uh, <laughs> since, the, since the house could only be lowered into the tank of, at about a rate of one meter per hour. Oh my God. It would, it would take about six hours to lower the entire set wow. into the tank. Okay. Yeah, the Montagnac or evil family, the motto, which Creepy Pierre quotes partially, is the French translation of a famous quote, that is not dead, which can eternal lie, and with strange aeons, even death may die. Did you know where that's from? No. That is from one Mr. Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Oh. Yeah, from uh, his short story, The Nameless City, and it's supposedly from... uh, his translated poem from the Mad Arab, that's how he's called in the book, Abdul al-Hazra. It's part of the Cthulhu mythos. Wasn't the Mad Arab supposedly the author of the Necronomicon? I'm not sure. I don't, th- I don't know if he was the one who was supposed to have written it or he just interpreted it. In paperback, now available at a bookstore near you. That's it how is, you know it's by a the way. real book of <laughs> yep, black magic. Yep. That's how you know it's evil because it comes in mass market paperback. <laughs> Uh, there is one bit of sort of diver tri- trivia. Ooh. One of the divers, I believe it's Ben, is using a shearwater dive computer. That's that dealy on his wrist that controls the drone and tells him how much oxygen. In the movie, he can appear to be able to play music through it. For all of you divers out there, I want to know. I want you to know that we checked. I checked this out just for you. No dive computer has the ability to play music. It's too dangerous. Divers are expected to be paying 100% attention to their surroundings, their air supply, their buddy's air supply, their dive buddy's location. Music would be too distracting. And not dying. <laughs> and not dying. Huh. That's, uh, uh. That is pretty much it. There is not a lot else. Uh, most of it's about, well... It was filmed in the water. That's cool. I know one piece of trivia. Ah, what's that? So one of the lead characters, uh, Ben, uh, is played by James Jagger. Yes, he is the son of Mick Jagger and Jerry oh. Hall. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah, I that's s- not, IMDb has, I believe, three entries for trivia. Yeah, well, I just saw the name and I'm like, that's not a common name. I wonder, is he? Yeah, he, he is. So, wow. I mean, good for you. <laughs> he also didn't have many entries in IMDb, but yeah, uh, yeah. we'll get to that. So, Max, if you would uh, do us a favor, uh, tell us a soggy story, would you? <laughs> sure. Ben and Tina are budding internet celebrities. Emphasis on budding. 
Ben is a professionally unlikable jackass, <laughs> and Tina is in love with him for reasons passing understanding. <laughs> ben is really into exploring old abandoned houses and places that are supposed to be haunted because that's what the kids are into these days, apparently. Tina goes with him because that's what the script tells her to do. <laughs> While exploring a disappointing, mysterious lake in the south of France, which turns out to be so five minutes ago, <laughs> they meet Creepy Pierre, that, as far as I'm concerned, is the character's name, who promises to show them a hidden corner of the lake, which, at the bottom, has a fully intact house. Pierre's creepy staring at Tina and muttering of old Lovecraft quotes makes him seem completely trustworthy, so off they go. <laughs> they leave Pierre on shore with their car and all their equipment and probably their life savings, <laughs> because they're that smart, and head into the lake in some of the most expensive dive equipment you are ever going to see on a, on a couple of millennials who try to make their money from podcasting or video streaming. <laughs> we all know how that goes. <laughs> along with their trusty drone Tom, a piece of high-tech diving equipment that probably costs as much as a small house. And they do, in fact, discover a completely intact, very creepy house at the bottom of the lake, allegedly about 60 feet down. They explore said house, finding the expected assortment of perfectly intact furniture, disturbing photographs, creepy dolls, and even a, a brace of corpses. Are they? <gasps> Eventually, they discover they have awakened your basic ancient evil, TM. You don't get those in those damp French houses. Oh, yeah, you get them in ancient evils. And must try to escape the house before they run out of air. Le zoinks, Monsieur Scooby! <laughs> Mailed! Thank you. <laughs> oh, is that yeah. it? That, that's it. Oh, okay. wasn't sure um so yeah as max pointed out uh this is we <laughs> this film has the dubious honor of being of one of only two films that approached us to talk about it and last time this happened unfortunately poor vince the snowman actually yep. watched rogue warfare 3 uh yep yep <laughs> because we didn't want to <laughs> Uh, yeah, we probably should have asked him to watch this one for us, too. Uh, yeah. Oops. Yep. So uh, tell me, Max, why did you pick this movie? I thought it'd be funny. I mean, I thought, why not? Something that's only been released in streaming in this country, so it fits the theme. And it, well, we had heard of it. <laughs> that's it. they emailed us. Because <laughs> they, they told us about it. I mean, to be fair, if they hadn't, there's no way we would ever have considered the film, because we We wouldn't have, have known it. it existed. I mean, I mean, nobody I knows this movie exists. I think if we hadn't been doing the show, it's still at least three to four years before I would have heard of Epics. So, yeah. oh, speaking of hearing people, did you notice who edited this film? Strangely enough, I did not. Baxter. What? That's it. It just said oh, edited just by a... Baxter. So, <laughs> is that a five-year-old kid or a dog? I, I don't know. Uh. <laughs> and he shows up at the end credits too, and is like, "Yes." Baxter! He's not my new favorite credit. Because Baxter. Okay, cool. We will now only watch movies that have been edited by Baxter! Baxter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I was a little confused that you picked this film because, um, well, not really confused because I know you have such a great love of horror films. Uh, yeah, I am not a big fan of horror movies. I have an odd kind of relationship with them. I'm kind of intrigued by them. 
I kind of draw, drawn to them. I hate watching them because they scare me, okay? I am a big wimp. I get freaked out. Every jump scare gets me. Yeah, I usually fall for those two. Yeah, yeah. Fortunately, um, that wasn't a problem in this movie. So this one, well, I was really worried at the beginning that this was going to be another found footage movie because that's how it starts off. Yeah. And I, I'm I, I did text Max ahead of time because he hates the camera movement. And I, I was it like, literally makes me nauseous. I, yeah. mean, I, I, I have trouble with it. Yeah. I, I had a lot of trouble in the Cloverfield. I had to leave the theater. Yep. But it, and some of it is like that, but most of it is not. Yeah. Well, you know, I disagree. Most of it is handheld footage, but because I think partially because it's underwater, they can't actually move that fast. So most of the time it's just not jarring because it's um, yeah. wet. Well, also the technology is, has changed a lot. Like we see them using these handheld steady cams or yeah. um, gimbal mounts for their their phones or the cameras they're using. So it doesn't jerk around or bounce quite as much. No. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, the film starts, and we are... And please, Hollywood, I know you're listening. Um, please <laughs> stop doing the thing where you show us your $50 logo, and then, after everybody's shown all their $50 logos, we then see the name of your company printed out, because we yeah. just forgot 10 seconds ago about your... Yeah. So there was, I think, five different companies involved At in making least. these films. I stopped paying attention, yeah. Had you heard of any of them? Nope, not no. a one. That's a good sign. That always yeah. tells you we're in yeah. for a quality product. Yep, you're in for something serious. And we start off in this old abandoned, I think it's an orphanage. There is something. And oh, what we established there is, as I say, Ben is a jackass. Yeah. And Tina is too good for him. Uh, yeah. Although, <laughs> I, mean, I will say I liked the graffiti in the house. The graffiti was cool. It's like, that's kind of like, if you could think of what a graffiti gallery would look like, that's what it was. I can see why people might be vaguely interested in that kind of thing. I don't see millions of views either. So the, one of the yeah. whole things is Ben is like, I don't want a lot of views. I don't want to have to have a job. I want to be on YouTube. Okay. I mean, and he does sound exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, pretty much. Sadly, uh, well, let's get to the acting. So James Jagger plays um, Ben. Yep. He um, is exactly as annoying as you would think a YouTuber would be. Yeah. And, you know, Camille Rowe plays Tina, and she's okay. She's not given very much to do. Um, there's a lot of gasping. There's a lot of gasping and being afraid, and Ben? Is that you? <laughs> or really... Ben, stop it. You're terrible. There's a lot of that. Yeah, because Ben is, in fact, terrible. He likes to jump out and scare her in these scary situations. Yeah. There's one point where they they meet Creepy Pierre, and I agree, that's probably his name, Creepy Pierre. And the thing I love, so Pierre is a very typical grizzled old Frenchman, yeah. constantly smoking. I never yeah. see him pull one out. I never see a lighter. He just has He's it. always got one there. It's just an <laughs> omnipresent cigarette. He's just missing a beret and a baguette <laughs> under his arm. Because you know that he was born astride the grave. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Pierre, at one point, it's the only time they actually give her character a moment of truth. Because she almost confesses to Pierre, yeah, I don't really want to marry Ben, but she doesn't really say that. She's sort of like, yeah. oh no, I love him. He just does a lot of things I can't stand. Like exist. As yeah, far as the and- acting goes, though, here's the thing. I think, I don't know James Jagger. 
if he's not like Ben, he's doing a really good job because the character's a jerk. Yeah. I don't like him, but he's fine. I think it's. I think everybody's fairly competent in this. I don't think it's the uh, the acting is really problematic. No, and let's face it, it they're all the three. There's three characters. That's yeah. It. There's yeah. There's Ben. There's Tina, and there's Creepy Pierre. Because <laughs> what more do you need for a film? Um, yeah, and yeah. they're fine. And, uh, it's kind of neat the way Tina can just slip back and forth between French and English. Yes. I mean, when she's speaking English, she has virtually no accent. But nope. as she said, you know, she was born in France, grew up in America, but which I think is true of the actor. <laughs> well, she does and, a lot better job of that than um, the muscles from Brussels. <laughs> it, well, yeah. <laughs> I'm from Belgium. <laughs> or my favorite, uh, my parents were killed and I was sent to the only Belgian monastery in Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, initially, when we're getting the establishing shots, when they're in the south of France, it's friggin' gorgeous. Isn't it? <laughs> it's like, wow, this, the first, I don't know, or I suppose chop off the first three minutes, the next about 20 minutes is a tour, is a commercial for the Board of Tourism for the south of France, because it looks so gorgeous. Even the town that is supposed to look creepy and abandoned that they yeah. stop in. It's like, I want to go there. That looks nice. Wouldn't you buy one of those houses and fix it up? Totally. <laughs> the guy's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is weird. Almost every building here is for sale. Like, how much? <laughs> and it's not like they're even on the Riviera, right? No. So it's just nice. Everything it's just, a just looks nice really, town. really nice. Yeah. The <laughs> roads are in the... really good shape. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, buildings look Beautiful. like they, you know, they're obviously the very old buildings and they probably yeah. could use a little TLC, but quite honestly, you're going to find a lot worse around here. So yeah. Yeah. why not? So, yeah. And the lake they go to initially when they hit the touristy part where they're like, Oh, look at all the tourists. Tuh, tuh. Not like us. Cool people. <laughs> Here, let's get some wine in plastic cups. I know, but the, the lunch truck serves wine. Of course it does. It's France. I know. They have great. juice box full of wine and vending <laughs> machines for children. I, I just like, you know, yeah, I'd go there. Even though, they, they, I can't tell if it's like just a lake or it looks like there's a camp or something there. But it's mm. like, that looks a lot like Friday the 13th. But, you know, I'd still go there. I just won't go out at night. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's, and I will say this in general: it's actually shot really well. Yeah, the camera works. The cinematography in general is really good. Yeah, I mean, and I he, I bought that they were in a lake. You know why? Why? Because there's crap in the water. Yeah, yeah. Like most it's not the, perfectly clear. It's no, sludgy and murky and everything. And they actually have a a, a reasonable way for explaining that everything looks better than it should, and that is that that's one of the creepy parts of the house. Okay, sure, they just built the damn thing, and I didn't even know. Like, I, I figured they had to have built it because there's no way everything would have been rusted or there would have been something growing because that's just the way things go. Yeah. But I, I didn't ha that didn't bother me at all. Um, the fact that everything, you know, that was that it was creepy because things were not decayed. It actually yeah. added to the atmosphere. That was very effective, I thought. The fact is, here, here is this house that's supposed to have been underwater for what fifty years. Yeah, and everything is pristine. Well, yeah. not, I mean, you can still think things yeah. are floating and a little soggy. Yeah, but there's yeah, like Mike says, there's no rust, there's no rot, there's no algae, there's nothing growing. There's the occasional fish swimming well, through the place. Well, there's one. There's, there's one, one fish. 
gigantic honking catfish yeah. swimming through the place. Boy, he looked delicious. He um, did, man. Batter him up and fry him. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, and even then, the fish, I mean, let's face it, really big catfish are creepy looking. They are. Yeah. Yeah. I He might even have meant to be some kind of, I don't know, little demon or something. And I, said, I don't know. I thought it was, might have been a warning. Well, I couldn't tell because at one point they get they get stuck inside the house. Surprise. And they're trying to find a way out. And there are no fish anywhere near the house, but they see this one. And they think, oh, let's follow the fish. And they do. And at first it's like, well, maybe it, it might have got in here. It must have a way of getting out. And the big problem, of course, is... It does have a way of getting out, but you don't because you're too big. Yeah. But mm-hmm. is it leading them to the way out, or is it leading them into the place they really shouldn't go, which is, of course, the basement? The ba- don't go near the basement. Yeah. Um, so there are some. They're not. They're not specific tropes, but there's tropiness about this film. They get into this creepy house and they're looking around. Ben continues to be a jerk by scaring Boom. Tina, who does not want to be there because she's no. smart. <laughs> And Although she's she afraid was... of diving. She doesn't want to do this. Well, and also but... she's afraid of haunted houses. Yeah, which you know, is kind of sensible, really. Well, actually, my my note is, don't marry Ben. That's the horror. Yeah. Uh, but so they're, they're looking around, and things are creepy and weird, and there's an occasional floating doll, because, you know, just boo. And, and there's a creepy doll. Yeah. yeah. But then they get to the kitchen, and in the kitchen, there is a door... <laughs> That is barred by a yeah. life-size crucifix. I now. mean, full size. The cross is seven feet tall. It's got a life-size plaster figure of Jebus nailed to it. Mm. Railroad spikes through the hands. Yep. What do they do? Let's move it. Let's pull it off the door and see what's behind it. Yeah. Are you that stupid? You already know this place is creepy. You already know there's something unnatural about it. What let's go let's let's move the gigantic crucifix. Yeah. Also, they don't seem to care. Oh, look at that. There's a satanic crest in yeah. the uh, kitchen. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. That's where you keep them. That's that happens. You drop some soup, it makes a cruise. It makes a, 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 a well, they call it a pentagram, but the thing we see later is it's, it's a pentagram. pentagram. There wasn't even a star in it, so it's I don't know what's a going pentagram. on there. It's, it maybe you could make the argument that it's an elder sign from uh, from Lovecraft because there is as I said there's some Lovecraftian elements in this. Yeah, and it's kind of weird. I've seen adaptations of Lovecraft before, and some of them pay the money and they, they, they get the rights to actually use the right words and, and stuff. This one doesn't. Um, so it's Lovecraft adjacent, I guess. Um, and it has got some very creepy elements to it. Um, yeah. Even the fact that nothing is decayed, the fish is kind of creepy. And then we finally get down to the basement where... Guess what? All the horrible things happen. And there are two quote unquote corpses hanging there. Now, the corpses, when they're hanging there, I'm like, they're they're just mannequins. I'm not buying this. Um, I, you know, it's a willing suspension. It's like, okay, right. yeah, there are corpses, but it's like, hmm. And they're wearing what look like plague doctor masks. Yeah, kind except of. Except they aren't. Look- they're they're well, rat masks. They're they're torture masks from the midi- middle from medieval period. Oh, I thought it looked like a. Uh, a, a plague mask, but also a gas mask, like a sort of a, but a whatever. Little, they were the sort that you, you attach them and you put live rats inside them. Now, the two of them are down supposedly, I think it's 30 meters. Yeah. And they have, and apparently that's deep enough that you have to go up slowly or bends or whatever. 
and they have their little meters on their, their wrists to tell them when they, how much air they have left and stuff. And occasionally we hear Ben saying, hey, you need to slow down your breathing, which is reasonable because she's new yeah. at this. And quite honestly, stuff's scary. Um, I don't think I would have gotten past the, hey, look at the inside of these metal doors. Those look like claw marks, don't they? Um, yeah. Bye! <laughs> That's as far as I'd go. So they get to the base. And also there's been like this whole room full of film equipment and notices of missing children. I mean, yeah, which have been neatly framed and attached to the wall. Yeah. It's like, how much of a signal do you need? Now, they're also aware of some of the tropes. I thought I almost smiled at one point when they find they, they've gotten past the gates and they find that they're, the, the place has one of those above ground crypts. Hmm. And Ben goes, mate, let's split up. I'm like, you're not serious. Oh, good, you're not serious. Yeah, I'm glad they they. Well, they do at one point. Sort they of, do get separated. Yeah. They do get separated, but it's not by their own. Do- they don't mean to. They're yeah. trying to go up the chimney, and the chimney attacks them. Yeah, well, I said I actually, think. let's split up famous last words in horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, I made a prediction, and this is going to give away some of the ending. Do we do we do that? Yeah. Or do we, yeah okay. Oh, oh yeah, because I'm sure everyone's going to want to <laughs> run out and see this movie. I wrote about halfway through. I have a guess. Pierre is one of the kids from the house. I got that one, hole in one on that one. Um, To be fair, there's only three characters in the film. Yeah, yeah. you know know that he had to have some link. There are just some very odd moments, too. Like, one of the things, that one of the many things, sorry, one of the many, many things Ben does that's really obnoxious (laughs) is he keeps playing, again, which he should not be able to do, he's playing music over their diving equipment uh, communication system. But he promises, you know, he stops eventually. But at one point, they're down in the basement, and Leslie Gore's You Don't Own Me starts pl- coming out of nowhere. And she's saying, why are you doing that? That's not funny. And he's like, that's not me. I'm not doing it. It's like, this is one, of, that's a very odd choice. It's like, okay, it's kind of creepy, because I'm sorry, Leslie Gore just has that kind of voice. But Well, it was also in French, <laughs> which was yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah, like, um, it's at least you're supposed to have some little kid singing la 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 la. Sure. Oh, yeah. No, so, or, so, I'm sorry, this is French. La, 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 la. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got it right. Thank you. I have yeah, my note was, accuracy. My note was the movie unashamedly literally turns the soundtrack on. Yeah. Tina says, hey, could you play a song? <laughs> <laughs> so the and character- there isn't a lot of background music in this movie. There's two pieces, pretty yeah. much. Um, yeah, so they're down there. There's all sorts of things that basically say, hey, you really shouldn't be here. I mean, despite the fact that the whole house has been boarded up before they will... From the so, outside. Yeah, apparently the deal was that, before we find the real truth, that the locals willingly flooded this valley with this house in it. And what they didn't tell everybody is, oh, yes, and we boarded it up and stuck a crucifix on the cellar door before we did that. So we it don't was, want it anything. It wasn't just that house. There was like a village down there. And it, it was like what the Tennessee Valley Authority did. Well, so we, don't, we don't see anything. Except we don't really that, know much which, about it. Yeah. For five million bucks, that's fine. Because, again, yeah. I don't think the film looks cheap at all, which is surprising. No, it, it looks it's surprisingly high quality. All of it is the camera work, the sets, everything. Yeah. yeah. Um. The only thing that they do, and this is this is common in horror films, and unfortunately is is more in common 
elsewhere as well, is that while the photography is generally really good, when something finally happens, they strap the camera to a shrimp. <laughs> yeah, you can't, and it's already, and this is a mistake because it's already dark and murky and yep. hard to see, yeah. and then when things happening, yeah, the camera starts flailing, and you have no, I'm like, okay, um, ah? Yes, somebody's, somebody's assume, in danger. I don't know who it is. I assume badness is happening. Yeah. Is there so, how many people? Are there nine, two, one? I, yeah, it's annoying. Oh, yeah, just uh, so just to make it clear, what they do find in the basement are those two corpses, right. a man and a woman, chained and wearing these freaky masks, and they're sort of floating over this massive iron seal, Yeah, which you know Ben mistakenly calls a pentagram. Right. And, of course, they keep poking around, and they find jars of body parts and all sorts of... I'm sorry, at this point, it's like, okay, checklist. Yep, human <laughs> eye. Yep, creepy doll parts. Yep, human parts. Yep. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're not, we're, we're out of the unique area of the house underwater, and now we're just going down the horror movie checklist. Yeah. And, of course, what's Ben's idea? It's like, here's this weird seal right below the two chained dead people. And it's like, hey, I bet the answer's under here. No, don't yeah. open it. Yeah. Thankfully, he doesn't. No. I think partially because it's like, oh, our five million just ran out. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, well, obviously what happens is things get creepier and creepier. And they do have, I will say this, they do have a built-in bit of tension, which on one hand for the price works really well on the other hand is kind of cheap which is we're going to be underwater we can only be under here so long and we have to get out yep. so the tension's built in i didn't have a problem with it um partially because again it, it was photographed so well and they spent so much on the set i think it gets about four and a half million dollars so uh sorry james <laughs> we don't have much for yes, you yes and of course shocking nobody the corpses begin to move they open their eyes and when they do yeah. They are really creepy. Yeah. The movements are really uh, disturbing. They move like bloated corpses would move. Yeah. And the other thing is they don't move fast. No. It but not like zombie. No. They move like people would move underwater and there's this the creepiest part is there's no sense of urgency from them. No. There's no like ah I'm going to get you. It's just like ah, I'm just going to reach for you slowly. And they run in, of course, the daughter. She's yep. in there, too. So yep. As we find out that the it was a family of four, the Montagnacs, and they realized from a paint, a, an obvious painting of the family tree, which for some reason doesn't have a photo of the son, the son's name is Pierre, as Mike said. Yep. The daughter's name is, I don't know, Evelina. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, sure. And um, they start chasing them around the house. Right. Well, the and house somehow, the window they found that they could get in is is bricked up when they try to get out, which is fine. I mean, this yep. is a, a movie thing, a horror movie thing. I don't care. I didn't bother me. There's obviously, of course, at one point the electricity comes on, which was even weirder. I'm just sitting there thinking, how did people not get electrocuted? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, things get creepy very, well, they don't get, once they start getting ultra creepy, they get ultra creepy very quickly, but nothing yeah. happens particularly quickly in this film, um, which I guess is what the underwater part is for. Oh, we can be slow because it is underwater. As you know, everything underwater is slow. Eh? Um, <laughs> but um, there's one point though, where they're in the basement again, and uh, something's happened to Ben. He, let's say he got taken over by the fish. I don't know. <laughs> and we get it. We we find our way into yet another secret room. It turns out this is the 
secret family home theater. Which is yes, we run into the evil home theater. <laughs> evil. I don't know if you felt this way, but they they start the projector because this, as I said, the the electricity comes on, and I still don't know how people yeah, are electrocuted. Yep. Suddenly but the appliances work. Yeah. The problem is they're forcing Tina to watch. A film that's a lot scarier than the one we're watching. <laughs> yeah, basically they force Tina to watch their evil home movies. <laughs> and this is where we learn about the evil family and that they used to kidnap children from the area and yeah. sacrifice them. Yeah. Now, we don't know to whom or to what. No. Just sort of general sacrificiness. Yeah, sacrifice. And then the villagers felt the need to put bags over their heads because <laughs> they didn't want to be recognized by the people they had come to kill. Right. Uh, and then they kill them all, but the son escapes. Right. Pierre. Yeah. Ah, uh, Pierre. We always shoot Pierre. <laughs> Pretty much. That's Claude. But yeah, I, I'm also a little surprised. This family must have been pretty well off 50 years ago to have their own home theater. And that was yeah. a nice theater, by the way. Yeah, uh, there was one mistake Ben makes that just kind of irked me because I used to be in film school. He holds up films, uh, film and goes, oh, Super 8. It's like, no, that's 16. Uh, Dumbass. Well, how would he know? How would he know Super he, 8? Yeah, probably he, he, just, he probably 16. heard the name once. And of course, they're supposed to be filmmakers. Yes, I know digital, but you'd think they'd know something. Um, their whole idea, of course, of this is like he the reason he keeps going, and even though there are so many signs that basically say, I'd turn back if yeah. I were you, <laughs> is he wants to get. To that point he wants to he be is, famous. He yeah, wants to YouTube get the famous. most exciting footage he possibly can, which is disturbingly believable. Yeah. By well, the I was, way, I... I was going to ask you, did you think that this film was in any way making a commentary on today's celebrity and... I think there's that desperate, the desperate need for views. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a little of that. You can't avoid it. Yeah. Um, we have uh, our talking points. I wondered if you wanted to get to our talking points. Sure. I, I would also like to point out that this movie is a major... Uh, anti-smoking movie. <laughs> it is, because if Tina had laid off the cigarettes, she would have been able to hold her breath longer, and she would have made it to the surface. Oh, you gave it away. I did. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, yep. yeah, I thought before they... Actually, the, one, the first thing they do before they put on all their gear and go into the water is have a cigarette. Now, yeah. Pierre just magically has them but <laughs> <laughs> well he's french i guess that's a french thing yep. um but here's two people that are going to go scuba diving in very very deep water mm. <laughs> and we see china at the beginning of the movie trying to build up her lung capacity holding her breath in the bathtub yeah and cigarettes don't help much with your lung capacity not generally kind of the opposite yeah but anyway, uh, not that we're necessarily done with, with our notes, oh. but talking points. Yeah. Does this movie feel like it was made for streaming or would it have felt as easily at home in a theater? Not necessarily 30 meters below the, the surface. Oh, this definitely feels like it was made for the theater. Yeah. Uh, the whole, the creepiness, the whole, they wanted people to be able to go, wow, look at this. It's all filmed underwater. And honestly, it would probably have been easy, a little easier to see what was going on on a bigger screen, a bigger, brighter screen. Yeah. Well, which leads us to, would seeing this movie on a big screen add anything? Yeah, I think it would. I think if nothing else, maybe we'd have a better idea of what's happening, although I wouldn't swear to it. <laughs> well, and here's a clue. Hey, filmmakers that are going to have multiple people underwater in wetsuits, they don't all have to be black. Yeah, Just they saying. come in different colors. I've seen them in <laughs> magazines. It would have been so easy to tell them apart 
Yeah. If Tina had been wearing blue or something. Or red or something. People, they often wear bright colors because they're easier. So they don't, it's, if they get lost, it's easier for someone to find them. And there really wasn't a point, I think, in the film where not knowing which one was which had anything to do with the plot. It was just an unnecessary contrivance. Like, oh, yeah. they're they're both wearing black because, um, yeah. I, if seriously, we could. They didn't do the thing like James Cameron did in the Abyss, where he's like, "Look, I want people to know who my actors are. I'm going to develop a face mask that shows the whole face." Now, yeah. it's obviously he had more money than they did, but in the Abyss, when somebody's out in a wetsuit. Whenever they turn to the camera, you instantly know who it is because you can see their whole face. The regulator's built in. Cool, yep. I get it. There's two people in this film besides cigarette smoking's creepy Pierre. All you have to do is give them a color. That's it. Yes, that would have solved that problem. I agree, though. Um, it was beautifully photographed, and I think you would have actually, for want of a better word, felt more immersed in this film if you were in a big, dark room. As opposed to, in my case, yeah. sitting on my studio floor watching it on my Mac. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and again, we've talked we've said this before. It's five million dollars well spent. It looks really good. I did yeah. not feel cheap at all in this film, nope. and I'm five million bucks is nothing. No, that's, that's even, like the, that's one guy's salary in a lot of cases in a Holly, big Hollywood movie. Yeah, it's not even an advertising budget. That's nothing. Um, so uh, what other notes do you have before we get to the, the wrap? One thing, it was unusual for this movie to be made at all. The French French film industry, they don't like horror movies. Oh. They don't make a lot of them. They like, it's funny, they get really into some of the American ones. When the old Nightmare from Elm Street movies came out, France was nuts for Freddy Krueger. <laughs> uh, Freddy Krueger, a genius. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I remember Robert Eglin saying, yeah, it was weird. You know, they went crazy for Jerry Lewis. They went crazy for Pee Wee Herman. They went crazy for Freddy. I think it's the IE, you know, Jerry, Pee Wee, Freddy. They just like that. I think you're lying, Grandpa. (laughs) Well, that's what, yeah, you can argue with Robert Eglin. I won't. He's scary. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was was straight. It was the director for both commenting in one of the interviews I read on how difficult it was to get the movie made at all. Because it's not horror movies, despite the fact France is the ones who came up with the Grand Guignol Theater, which is, you know, let's see how much blood we can get on this stage. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, Grand Guignol is incredibly gory theater. Yikes. But, uh... Other other notes, or shall we get to uh, the... (laughs) I'm sorry. It's one of those things where just media crossovers, when... Ben becomes evil, or excuse me, yes, he stops being a jerk and is now just flat out evil, and he's taken over, and he says, this is the way. I'm going, oh, God, it's the Mandalorian. <laughs> That's it. He is a wet Mandalorian. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, in that case... This is the way. Think... Uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much what I've got. How about you? I'm pretty much done, Mr. Limpet, so let's get to the end of this, uh, <laughs> this show, shall we? Uh-huh. The Roundup. So, Max. Yes. You don't like horror movies. I don't. You had preconceptions because they emailed us, which is... Yes. Is that more telling about us or them? I don't know. Um, But you picked this movie. So, what did you think? I was a little surprised. I mean, first off, I don't think it's a good movie in that it doesn't really hold together. It's very shallow. 
but it's nowhere <laughs> as it were. I mean, it's only it's only they say it's twenty me what thirty meters, and it's really only six. But it's surprisingly well made. It looks really good. Yeah, it's just very generic. Otherwise, the whole thing is. Uh, so what if we took a horror movie and filmed it in underwater? <laughs> I think it would go something like this. <laughs> it's like, okay, that's all you had. That's the only original part you really came up with. If they if they had tried a little harder, they could have made it more interesting. Yeah. But it was, you know, it's kind of damning with faint praise. It was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Mm. What did you think? So one of my notes is, Kind of tensely boring. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's not really much of a story here. And what there is, isn't told till about the last 10 minutes. And it's only told because Ben's been possessed, I'm guessing, by the screenwriter? The spirit of exposition. <laughs> yeah. The power of exposition compels you. <laughs> to tell us what's been happening. Because otherwise, and I will say this for the film... It's brief. It's an hour and 25 minutes. So yeah. they don't linger. Well, they do, but not as much as they could have. I also had to ask, is this a movie about us watching them make the movie that we're actually watching? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't get clever. I get annoying, but whatever. Yeah. And there's, there's two I have things. to say, I didn't think it was that scary. It wasn't. I there, there's, there were the jump scares that I was like, here it comes. Oh. There it goes. I usually <laughs> fall for those too. Yeah. They didn't scare me. I, I, if it was in a theater, maybe I would have been. I don't yeah. know. Maybe that yeah. did make a difference. The problems I have are, like Max said, there's nothing new here. Um, I honestly think that there's a better ending under that thing in the basement, that big seal. I think there's a better under ending down there. <laughs> the, ending's, the ending's lame. Yeah. I guess first, almost from the beginning of the film, I said, let me guess, the only one to get out is Tina. And that's almost true yeah basically the deal is this if you want to watch the film stop here i don't think you would you do pierre has spent the last 50 years tempting divers into the house yep. and the house eats them i guess or we, don't, we see we don't know if any of the body parts are from 50 years ago or they're recent or whatever i'm guessing the two people that are hanging there are the parents um i think that's what i figured but well they've been dead a while it's hard to tell yeah um but we all we see really is it's an hour and a half, or well, to be fair, an hour, an hour and ten minutes of these two people, one of whom we really don't like, and the other yeah. one we really wish would get away from the first one, going through a very creepy set. That's pretty much all that's happening. Yeah. And then he gets possessed by the spirit of exposition, tells us what's <laughs> happened. It's like, what you didn't know is that 50 years ago, somebody that you're going to find out is Pierre, blah, 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 blah. And then Portina somehow manages to get out of the house and basically dies, I'm going to guess, about 15 feet underwater. She doesn't yeah, make it to the surface. She doesn't quite make it to the surface. And then, and we, then we get Pierre. the post, the post-credit sequence. Yes, there's a post-credit sequence. There is, with just a shot of two young women with diving gear and Pierre standing behind them. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Staring at the lake. Which, I don't know if it was a sequel grab so much as if it was the film going, eh, we could not think of anything else, so here you go. Yeah. That's pretty much. <laughs> so, surprisingly well constructed visually. Yeah. Reasonably well acted, but nothing here that's p 
particular, nothing got past creepy, no explanation for anything, and we end up not really caring. So yeah, eh. yeah, and deep house. What a yep, shallow so, film. Uh, oh, oh, oh. So yeah, basically, meh, meh, but underwater. <laughs> so Max, uh, we yeah. have a a new trivia trivia new poll question. Yes, if we you do. Would go over that and tell people how to answer our poll. I will. We can wrap this mummy up. What is your favorite movie about religion or one that has a religious theme or setting? And you can answer this by emailing us directly at us at maxmikemovies.com or going to our website, maxmikemovies.com, and leaving a comment. You can also find us on the socially mediated places like Facebook and the Twitter under Max Mike Movies. Find us on your uh, the podcast app of our choosing because we control everything. We control the horizontal, the vertical, the diagonal. Um, we we don't the rabbit ears. We we don't. Oh, we're still on Spotify. <laughs> yep, and uh, contact us that way. But we are not done with this series. Oh no, we're not. Not we have another movie that we, we do. are going to talk. We're going to watch and talk about next week. Mike, we do. What is that movie? Hey, do you like birds? If they're well-cooked, sure. <laughs> you like finches? Well, they kind of stick between my teeth, but sure. Well, this film has nothing like that in it. Uh, the, oh. movie, <laughs> the movie is okay. Apple TV+. Plus. Yeah, I know we've been there a few times before. Yeah. Hey, we never took you to Epics, though. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, if you have uh, Hulu, you have Epics. If you have nothing else, you have Hulu, you have Epics. Uh, we're going back to Apple TV+. Plus. Um, for a Tom Hanks film, this is actually his second film with Apple TV+. Plus. Uh, the first one, I think, was about um, some plane pilot guy. Don't know. This one's called Finch. Hence the bird's uh-huh. joke, bird jokes. And it's really a remake of A Boy and His Dog and his oh, robot. okay. Except it's not, and it doesn't have Don Johnson in it. <laughs> oh, but does it have William Daniels? Uh, no. It's, it's got a dog. And Tom Hanks. Everybody loves Tom Hanks. The dog doesn't talk like William Daniels. Well, to be fair, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe it does. Except I think William Daniels is dead. That's okay. That doesn't stop anybody from putting someone in a movie. Look at Princess Leia. Yeah, mm, true. If you would like to like Tom Hanks with us next week, then like on over and listen to our next week's episode. Finch! This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.